On this week's episode of Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast, a Gigafactory bottleneck causes delays for most Model 3 reservations. Plus, the $7,500 federal tax credit for the United States may be running out sooner than any of us would have guessed, Elon's comments from the Q3 earnings call, and much more. Howdy friends, Ryan McCaffrey with you as always for Ride the Lightning, the Tesla Motors unofficial podcast. It's episode number 118 for November 5th, 2017. There is so much to get to this week uh, as Daisy the Boxer Puppy sleeps on the couch next to me. But first, I actually wanted to get a quick item of housekeeping out of the way. Uh, and that is an apology from me uh, to you because your trust is is the most important thing. Without that, none of you would listen. Uh, none of you would, would be here, and I would be talking to the wall. Uh, and so I wanted to apologize and sort of issue a retraction for the National Humane Society raffle, te the Tesla raffle ad that I ran last week. Now, uh, they had reached out to me. It all seemed good. Uh, but it turns out I, I heard from several of you there's no proof that, that it's a scam, that it's anything, you know, other than what it, what it claims exactly to be. Uh, but the fact that I heard from several of you and followed a couple of links that, that a, a multiple folks sent me, a Reddit thread, another, another thing, it was enough to go, well, you know what, even if there's nothing here, this is not, it's not worth violating the trust of my audience because... The trust of my audience is all I have. Without that, there's no podcast. I'm just talking to a wall. Uh, and, you know, I, I've said over and over, you've heard me say a million times, I, I value your time and the, the, the fact that you trust me with an hour of your week uh, and, and to, to fill you in on, on the week's Tesla happening. So uh, that is the most important thing. And that is not worth uh, a little bit of, of uh, sponsorship money you know, to run an ad on a, on a podcast if, if the thing might not be what the, uh, what the uh, you know, seller, as it were in this case, claims it is. And so I, uh, I did, in fact, reach out to the National Humane Society people. I sent them the same links you guys sent me. You know, uh, predictably and understandably, they denied uh, any wrongdoing, anything. But and for all I know, again, I, I, they may be totally in the clear. It may be fine. I hope it is. But enough folks raised the, the, the red flag for me, the caution flag, where I just thought, you know what? I'm just going to pull out of this. I didn't accept any of their money. Uh, they had actually mailed me a check uh, that, that I, I destroyed. Uh, and I let them know I did. And so, you know, I don't want to make too big a thing out of this, but uh, basically ignore last week's na last week's Nationally Humane Society ad. Uh, if uh, at least that would be my recommendation. Again, I'm not accusing NHS of, of any wrongdoing and I'm not suggesting any guilt on their part. But uh, I just thought it best for this podcast to move to just cut cut bait and move on on that. Uh, so I apologize. I really sincerely do. Uh, I will be 
as more diligent. I will be as diligent as possible. Uh, not that I haven't, but I will, I will do, I'll try to take extra steps to be more diligent, uh, when, when researching potential, uh, things like that for, for future opportunities. So with that, Let's move on to some happier news. As I said, there is a lot to cover, and not all of it is happy this week, I'm afraid. But I wanted to start with an absolute ray of sunshine uh, here on Ride the Lightning. And I hope that this is going to be the first of many, many, many calls like this from folks in the Ride the Lightning audience. Christy from South San Francisco, take it away. Hey Ryan, it's Christy. I wanted to give you an update that I picked up my Model 3 tonight and it is amazing. I've been already asked what my favorite part of the car is and it's so hard to narrow it to just one, but I would have to say that I was tempted on my way home from the factory to just take clover leaf after clover leaf after clover leaf. The cornering, the way it handles, I feel like I'm driving an electric go-kart and it is so much fun. I will call back with more details another time, but my first night reactions is amazing. Hope you get yours soon. I promise that uh, I will call again with more details. Take care. Bye. Christy, you can barely contain your excitement on that message. I, I can just tell, like I can hear it just underneath your voice. Uh, it's awesome. Congratulations. May your Model 3 keep you happy and keep you safe for many, many hundreds of thousands of miles. I look forward to joining you in the Model 3 owner's family, hopefully next summer, if, uh, if all goes well on the, on the uh, patience test for, for all-wheel drive. Uh, and by the way, your, your go-kart comment makes me so happy. Because you know what other Tesla vehicle drives like a go-kart? The Roadster. Uh, obviously the three won't quite handle the same way that the Roadster does, but, uh, nevertheless, that is great. And, and I'm, I'll tell you on that, on that note, I mean, I'm, I'm guessing that the 600 plus pound weight difference between the Model 3 and the Model S probably contributes a lot to that go-kart feeling. So just imagine what that dual motor all-wheel drive Model 3 is going to feel like. It's just going to be glued to the road. It's going to be fantastic. Uh, on a related note, by the way, I did want to mention real quick, this is a perfect place to throw this in, I had my first proper Model 3 in the wild sighting this week. In fact, it was today. I'm recording on Friday night, as I, as I often do, and it was uh, on my way to drop my daughter off at school, so it wasn't too far from my house. It was a beautiful, brand-new Red, multi-coat red Model 3 with the 19-inch sport wheels, which is exactly the configuration that I would order if I were taking, uh, if I happen to be taking delivery now, which uh, I'm not, I am not, but uh, yeah, it was, it was beautiful to see it. It looked great on the road. It definitely looks uh, smaller, even though it's not, it's not that much smaller, just seeing it on the road, like in a real, in the real world. It definitely does look smaller than the S, even though it's only a foot shorter. I mean, not only, I guess a foot's a lot, but it's a foot shorter. It's like, it's only three or four inches narrower, but I really think, I think it's the, it is that width though. The width I think is what, is what sort of makes it look smaller to the eye, but the car looks beautiful on the road. It looks fantastic. It was awesome to see it. And I, and I look forward to that being a very regular occurrence. I mean, when, 
when the S first came out, I would count them anywhere I would go. Like, oh, I saw, you know, three Model S's today. And it got to the point where there became, there literally became too many Model S's in the Bay Area <laughs> to, to, to just actively keep track of on a given, you know, trip down, uh, you know, down to the next couple towns or something. And then I was doing that with the Model X and same thing. There's just too many of them. So now I get to play that fun little game with the Model 3 for a while. Hopefully not for too long. But on that topic, we move now into the weekend review for Tesla. And it was a rough week for Tesla. There is no beating around the bush on that. There's no, there's no really other way to put it. Uh, the Model 3 has been, or deliveries, not the car itself. Uh, obviously, the car itself is technically already out, as uh, Christy can well attest to. But the basically everyone's deliveries uh, are are delayed, uh, and the stock took a huge pounding this week. And the federal tax credit may be ended prematurely. So let me start with the last thing first: the tax credit. You may have heard this. This, uh, this definitely made its way th- right through the news cycle. Uh, it, was, uh, it lit up everywhere. But if you have not heard, the current budget proposal uh, that Congress has put forth includes a termination of the, the electric vehicle tax incentive, and that would be effective on January 1st. It would, it would be for the beginning of the, the new year. So here we are, uh, I'm recording on November 3rd. So basically, uh, if, if this goes through, uh, you, are, you would basically have to put in an order right now for a Model S or a Model X, not a Model 3, because you wouldn't have time to take delivery of it. You wouldn't, that would be impossible. So, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, whatever your politics, this is obviously not good news for about 95%, if not more, of uh, Model 3 reservation holders and, and all electric vehicle owners. You know, if you're, if you're thinking about a Bolt, uh, if, you know, you're, if your Model 3 weight, everybody's Model 3 weight got longer this week. So anyway, anybody that's looking to buy an electric car, this is, this is not good news for them. Now, this has, the one thing is, it hasn't passed yet. So, and there's no, there's no really guarantee that it will or that it won't. You know, we don't know yet. So obviously, I will be keeping close tabs on this because uh, this can have significant, I mean, it would, it has significant ramifications for all of us, really. Uh, You know, some of you may be really, really counting on that tax credit uh, if you're taking first delivery of a first production Model 3, you know, you, you may really be counting on that uh, as that tax credit as as part of your purchase in order to, you know, make the numbers work for you. So this is uh, significant news. It's not good. Uh, and and I will keep you up to date uh, as, as, you know, as immediately as possible from week to week. Now, let's get to Tesla's Q3 earnings call with financial analysts. Uh, I want to start, though, the the shareholder letter that, of course, Tesla sends out each and every quarter. Some highlights from that. Tesla delivered their 250,000th lifetime car. Now, before you panic, uh, although you're probably already, you may already be breathing into a paper bag right now at the prospect of the federal tax incentive being just cut off immediately, uh, that 250,000 number is worldwide. 
if the tax credit survives uh, this this budget year, it uh, we we're sitting at about one hundred and forty thousand United States Tesla deliveries for that for that uh, tax credit, the full tax credit situation there. Next, uh, another highlight from the shareholder letter that the explanation of the Model Three bottleneck. And it is because of the battery pack assembly that, hap- that is happening at the Gigafactory. You'll remember that the battery packs and the drivetrains are both being handled at the Gigafactory while the rest of the vehicle is assembled at the Tesla factory here in Fremont, California. Here is Tesla's explanation from the shareholder letter. They say, quote, To date, our primary production constraint has been in the battery module assembly line at Gigafactory 1 where cells are packaged into modules. Four modules are packaged into an aluminum case to form a Model 3 battery pack. The combined complexity of module design and its automated manufacturing process has taken this line longer to ramp than expected. The biggest challenge is that the first two zones of a four-zone process, key elements of which were done by manufacturing system suppliers, had to be taken over and significantly redesigned by Tesla. We have redirected our best engineering talent to fine-tune the automated processes and related robotic programming, and we are confident that uh, that throughput will increase substantially in the upcoming weeks and ultimately be capable of production rates significantly greater than the original specification. So, uh, this explains why Elon was camping out on the roof of the Gigafactory last week. So he was there solving this problem. And as you're going to hear from him shortly, as uh, you know, as usual, I've got all the, the best clips chopped up and ready to serve up for you uh, from that earnings call. Uh, Elon, it was calling, he was doing the shareholder call from the Gigafactory. He's still there. So uh, as a result of this bottleneck, Model 3 deliveries have been pushed back. You may have already received the email from Tesla warning you that it was coming, and those uh, it has now been reflected in, I think, most if not all of the My Tesla accounts. Here is Tesla's statement from the shareholder letter on this topic. They say, based on what we know now, we currently expect to achieve a production rate of 5,000 Model 3 vehicles per week by late Q1 2018, recognizing that our production growth rate is like a stepped exponential, so there can be large forward jumps from one week to the next. We will provide an update when we announce Q4 production and delivery numbers in the first few days of January. So basically, they need to see how things go, and then they can they can update us. This is a bummer, obviously, but remember that our weight is still nothing compared to the initial Model S and X buyers. And it's almost certainly going to be worth it in the end, just as it has been for those Model S and X early adopters. Uh, I logged into mine uh, very much braced for a three-month pushback. Uh, I've I've told you before, my my target is the all-wheel drive model, which had been showing a July to September delivery window timeframe, that has been pushed back to August to October. So uh, only one month for me uh, on, the, on the actual delivery window estimate and several other Model 3 reservation holders that I spoke with directly were showing the same thing. So uh, I can't promise, your, promise it that yours is only going to be one month 
Uh, no, I'm not sure how it how it goes at each sort of place in line, like the front of the line, the middle of the line, back of the line. But uh, but that is that is where it generally appears to uh, to have landed. So that actually had me a lot less panicked because uh, you know I. I was sort of hanging hanging myself out to dry for uh, for a day or so, uh, especially because when Tesla first sent out the email saying, "Hey, the, your delivery is going to be delayed," the my Teslas not only hadn't been updated, but they they were it was down. Like everybody was hammering it trying to get in there, and it, it the website had crashed. So once it had finally settled down and updated the next day. You know, I went in there thinking, "Oh gosh, it's going to be three months. I'm going to be lucky to get an all-wheel drive car." in 2018 at all. Uh, but instead it is just showing a one month delay, which, you know, after all this, the, Hey, you know, after all that, that sort of buildup one month, isn't, isn't that bad in the grand scheme of things. Meanwhile, model S and model X figures are looking good. The shareholder letter stating, quote, the global net reservations for Model 3 continued to grow significantly in Q3. Uh, in Q3, we delivered 25,915 Model S and Model X vehicles and 222 Model 3 vehicles for a total of 26,137 deliveries. Combined S and X deliveries in Q3 grew 18% globally com- uh, compared to Q2 and 4.5% versus the same quarter a year ago. Consequently, both Model S and Model X gained further market share in the U.S. luxury vehicle market. In addition, our used vehicle sales more than doubled from the prior quarter. Uh, what I want to take out of that is I want to zone in there on the Model 3 reservations. If they're saying that Model 3 reservations grew, quote, significantly, I've got to figure that there are over half a million active reservations now. Remember, they had been... Uh, they'd been at over half a million, but they'd had uh, some cancellations, so they were sitting around like 450 something thousand. So I'm gonna I'm gonna guess that they've they're probably they've eclipsed half a million orders in weight, which is just unbelievable. So they do set the stage for a big Q4 though, with this statement in the shareholder letter saying, "quote During Q3." We received record net orders for Model S and Model X, setting the stage for what should be an all-time record for deliveries of these vehicles in Q4. I cannot wait to see the numbers on that. Uh, That is going to be great. Also, they may gain a bit of a short-term boost from two things. One, impatient Model 3 buyers who may decide to just go ahead and jump into a Model S instead of waiting uh, with with this Model 3 delay. Uh, but sort of, I guess, in addition to that or on top of that is the looming threat of the tax credit going entirely away. That could also push some fence sitters to to uh, get their Model S reservation in, in immediately and go ahead and, and uh, you know, skip the Model 3 and, and just go to an S instead. They give an autopilot update saying, quote, we are progressing rapidly towards our goal of a coast-to-coast drive with no one touching the controls. All I really have to say about that is that I got to figure at this point with, uh, you know, I know the autopilot team is is certainly different than the manufacturing team, which is different than the engineering team, but I just don't see any way that the coast-to-coast level four drive happens in 2017, but that's okay. You know, I mean, Tesla's got their hands full with a lot of other things. Uh, you know, it's not they have 
There's nobody breathing down their neck at this point. They are. It is a one-horse race for now. So uh, I don't think anybody's really going to hold it against them if the demo slips into uh, early 2018. Finally, in the shareholder letter, they tease the semi-truck again, saying, quote, at the unveiling of the Tesla Semi on November 16th, 2017, we will demonstrate just how compelling electric drive will be for the global trucking industry. We look forward to showing you something truly incredible. So uh, I, again, I, I don't think I'm going to be able to be there, but I very much look looking uh, forward to covering that in just a couple of weeks' time. All right, now the part you've been waiting for. Let's get on to the call itself. Here are the highlights. Again, I've uh, sat through the whole thing to, uh, to make sure that you're only getting the, the cream of the crop here. And I do want to start with something. It's very long. This is about a 12 or 13 minute clip. This is Elon Musk's opening statement. And he wanders a bit. I mean, he, he's Elon. You know, he is, he's not a scripted guy. He is speaking extemporaneously. He's speaking honestly, as he always does. Uh, so this is long. I warn you of that. But I just think it's it's worth listening to because he covers a lot of ground. Uh, and uh, we just, you know, we obviously don't get to hear from Elon all the time. So I think it's important to to for me to go ahead and just play it when he does speak because who better to hear from? I mean, you'd rather hear from him than from me, <laughs> obviously. But he also mentioned, before I play this, he mentions up front that he has a cold. So uh, you might hear him in, in all of these clips that I'm about to play. You might hear him cough in the background uh, a bit here or there. So uh, without further ado, here is Elon Musk's opening statement uh, prior to him taking in, uh, investor and analyst calls. Doing, we're doing this call from, from the Gigafactory um, because that's where the production constraint is for Model 3, kind of the most important thing for the company. Um, and I, I always move my desk to wherever, well, I don't really have a desk, actually. I move myself <laughs> to wherever the, uh, the biggest problem is uh, in Tesla. So I'm at, I, I really believe that uh, um, one should lead from the front lines, and that's, that's why I'm here. I'll go into some of the gig factory issues um, uh, later in the call, but I'll, I'd like to start off, start off by acknowledging some, I think, pretty amazing milestones for Tesla. Um, uh, one thing that I, I thought was really profound was that we surpassed cumulative deliveries of vehicles. We, we surpassed a quarter million cumulative deliveries since, since the company's inception um, and had record Model S and X net orders and deliveries last quarter. So things are really... I think going quite well. To put that into perspective, five years ago, uh, we, we had only delivered 2,500 cars. So our, uh, the Tesla fleet has grown by a factor of 100 in five years. Um, I, I, would, I, I would expect five years from now to, to be at least an order of magnitude where beyond where we are right now and possibly even close to two orders of magnitude. Um, but, you know, for the skeptics out there, I'd like to say 
asked them, which one of you predicted that Tesla would go from 2,500 units delivered to 250,000 units delivered now? I suspect the answer is zero. Right. So consider your assumptions for the future and whether they are valid or perhaps pessimistic. Um, so for middle three, we continue to make significant progress each week. Uh, we see no fundamental problems with our supply chain um, or any of our production processes. Uh, obviously, there are uh, bottlenecks. There are, there are thousands of processes in creating Model 3, uh, and we'll move as fast as the slowest and least lucky process among those thousands. In fact, there's 10,000 unique parts. So where I could say there are tens of thousands of, of processes necessary to produce the car, we will move as fast as, the, as the, the, the least competent and least lucky elements of that mixture. Um, so while the, the vast majority are going incredibly well, there are some problem areas. And uh, after I give the business overview, I'll, I'll uh, do a deep dive into the, the biggest problem area. Um, so the, um, uh, uh, it, based on what we know now, as we've gotten really into the, into the details of, of some of the, the worst bottlenecks, uh, we, we expect uh, to achieve a production rate of 5,000 Model 3 vehicles per week um, by late Q1 2018, so probably sometime in March. Um, this, uh, I mean, I think in the grand scheme of things, this is a relatively small shift. Uh, the Model 3 is a 10-year program, and so we're talking about uh, a few months out of a 10-year program. It's in the grand scheme of things, uh, certainly if one is doing um, net present value calculation, this is immaterial. Um, uh, and, and we have a clear path to that. We understand the bottlenecks. Um, it's difficult to, act, to fully understand these things until you actually try to do them. Um, and uh, it's worth noting that, that um, some of our manufacturing areas, uh, we're actually seeing capabilities that are, we estimate, um, in the six, six to 7,000 unit uh, per week capability, um, well in excess of the 5,000 uh, unit capability. Um, so, and we're optimistic with further optimization that uh, many of our production processes will need um, very little, in some cases, no, uh, or, so not saying no, but almost no uh, capex to reach something close to 10,000 units a week. Uh, it's remarkable how, how much can be done by just speeding up robots, shortening the, the path, densifying the factory, um, adding additional robots to choke points. Um, and just making lines go really, really fast. Uh, speed is the ultimate weapon. Um, and and uh, our the, the design intent of the Model Three, being that it, being that it's designed for manufacturability, is uh, turning out to be accurate. It's far easier to build this car than a Model E uh, than a Model S, and vastly easier than a Model X. 
Um, the, the, the primary production constraint, um, really by, by far, is in battery module assembly. Um, so this is, uh, this is so I'll just do a little bit of a deep dive on that. Um, there are four zones to module manufacturing. So it goes through four major production zones. Um, the, the zones three and four are in good shape. Zones one and two are not. Um, zone two in particular uh, 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 this is we, we had a, a sub subcontractor of a systems integration subcontractor that unfortunately um, really really dropped the ball and and uh, we did not realize the degree to which the ball was dropped until quite recently um, and we had to this is a, a very complex manufacturing area. We had to rewrite all of the software from scratch and uh, redo many of the mechanical, mechanical and electrical elements of zone two of, of module production. Uh, we've managed to rewrite uh, what was about 20 to 30 man years of software in four weeks. Um, but there's there's still a long a long way to go. It's um, because the 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 software will be fast with the electromechanical elements that need to be fabricated and installed, and uh, that, that getting those atoms in place uh, and rebuilt is uh, unfortunately uh, a lot longer and has far more external constraints um, than software. This, this is uh, what, what I've spent many a late night on the gig factory working on. JP's been here uh, constantly, um, and we, we've reallocated um, many of our best engineers uh, to fundamentally fixing zone two of of the module line, um, and then right far behind that is is zone one. Um, on the plus side, we now have a very detailed understanding of what is necessary to, to, to fix Zone 1 and Zone 2. Uh, we also have a new design for Zone 1 and 2 that is about three times more effective than the, the current design. So when we put in, and, and, it, and there, are, there, are three, there are three lines of module production. Lines 1, 2, and 3 are essentially uh, identical. Uh, line 4 which will have will be the new design uh, will be at triple the effectiveness of what will be as good as the other three lines combined. So we're very confident about a future path uh, of, of having incredibly efficient um, production of, of modules and that this will uh, not be a constraint in the future, um, but, but unfortunately it just takes some amount of time um, you know, this, this is like moving like lightning compared to the what is normal in, in the automotive industry. There's still some finite amount of time necessary to to fix something that we thought was in good shape. We were told by our supplier was in good shape, um, but but was was really not. Um, so this has now been uh, tackled by Tesla's internal automation group. Um, 
in, in the U.S. and Tesla Automation U.S. and Tesla Grumman uh, from Germany. We have a large team on, from there from Tesla Grumman also working working the issue and making very rapid progress. Um, and like I said, I'm I am personally on that line in that machine, translate uh, uh, problems personally where I can. And uh, and, and JV's basically spending his life at the Gigafactory. Um, see, that's that's the sort of deep dive on that front. Um, you know, one thing I, I want to mention that there are a lot of article, a lot of articles about um, you know, Tesla firing employees and layoffs and all that sort of stuff. It really is a really ridiculous. And like anyone, any, any journalist who, who, who've written articles to this effect should should be ashamed of themselves for for lacking journalistic integrity. Every company uh, in the world does annual performance reviews. Um, in our annual performance review, despite Tesla having an extremely high standard, a standard far higher than other car companies, which which we need to have in order to survive against much larger larger car companies, uh, you can't be a you can't be a little guy and and have equal levels of skill as the you know big guy. If you have two two boxes of, of equal ability and one's much smaller, the big guy is going to crush the little guy, obviously. So the little guy better have a heck of a lot more skill. And that is why oh, we're going to get clobbered. So that is why our standards are high. They're not high because we believe in being mean to people. They're high because if they're not high, we will die. Um, despite that, in our annual performance reviews, only 2% of people didn't, didn't make the grade. So this is about 700 people out of 33,000. This is a very low percentage. GE, uh, I don't know if they still do, but they certainly for, for a long time had a uh, policy of firing 10% of their uh, employees' performance every year, no matter what. Um, if you were to stack Tesla's uh, performance later releases, compared to you know, other companies, the number would be low. So the only reason these articles had any play whatsoever is because journalists and editors with low integrity failed to provide any context for, for where, where this stood. Because the actual article would have read, Tesla fires 2% of its employee base for performance-based reasons, a remarkably no, not low number compared to other companies. So of course, that would be a, that would be a meaningless article. So they they forget to include that. Shame. And, and then also, what was not reported is that several thousand employees were promoted, and almost half those promotions were in manufacturing. Well, poor Elon definitely sounds run down there to me, which hopefully is just the cold talking, but it's still, it makes me sad to hear him like that. Just, I don't wish that on him or, or on anybody, but you know, say what you will about Elon Musk, whether you're upset about the Model 3 delay or, or not, but the guy does work as hard as anyone else in that company to make their mission statement come true. Uh, furthermore, I found it interesting that he took the opportunity there to rip those in the media who reported on the uh, the firings that I've talked about the last week or two. You know, it's uh, he he clearly did not find most of it fair. I I hope I'm not one of those. 
I certainly try to stay balanced in these things since, since the truth is usually somewhere in between. But for me, and I've said this a million times before, Elon and, and Tesla have consistently carried themselves in a way where uh, they get the benefit of the doubt from me anyway, not, not, at least from me. As for the delay uh, of the cars, I mentioned this earlier, but once, those, uh, my deli- once the my Tesla delivery estimates were updated, and I said it wasn't quite as bad as I thought, um, but uh, we'll, just, we'll see how real life plays out. I, I really hope, like, it's going to be painful if they have to change, if they have to move the delivery estimates back again. Like, my hope is that they're erring a bit on the side of caution with this, and uh, rather than just actually moving it back a month, uh, I, I, I mean, it's got to be a tough line to walk because if you're if you're completely honest, uh, not that they're going to be dishonest. Let me get to this in a second. But you know, if they're if they give it an ex- sort of exact estimate based on their exact uh, thoughts and and plans, and they say, okay, well, we, it's going to be we think it's going to be a month, and they move the you know a lot most of the delivery estimates back a month, and then something else does go wrong, and they have to move it again that hurts and that makes customers unhappy. It, it's uh, frustrating. But at the same time, they do need to keep those reservations. It's billions of dollars on the books. So if they move it back to play it safe by, you know, let's say, let's just say they would have moved it back the three months. You know, how many of those people would have canceled their reservations if they were, you know, just trying to play it safe and say, well, we're pushing it back three months, but, you know, maybe it'll ultimately... That would be the worst, worst case scenario. So I don't know. They, they've it's it's about a month for most people. Hopefully, they don't have to move it back for anybody any more than that. Okay. Next up, uh, here is Elon commenting on the production ramp, uh, talking about how it's exponential, and uh, again reiterating the when they'll update again. And we hear from uh, from Deepak as well, the CFO of Tesla. So. Here is here are here are Elon and Deepak. I, I don't want to go into like the the, the week by week stuff. The, the thing, the reason it's tricky is because people just read too much into it. Um, the ramp curve is a step exponential, so um, it, it means like as, as you uh, <clears throat> alleviate a constraint, the production jumps, you know, suddenly jumps to a much higher number, um, and then. So although it looks a little staggered, if you sort of zoom out, that production uh, ramp um, it is, an, is an exponential with, with, with giant week-over-week increases. Um, I, I'd like to, to, to state a number at the end of Q4, but there's, there's too much uncertainty right now to give that with, with any precision. Um, you know, I do feel confident about, about uh, end of Q1, maybe sooner. Um, but, but but really, it's, it's like we're, we're like in a vertical climb here, so it's so it's really hard to say. Um, yeah, and, and also to your earlier point, Deepak here, it does not change any of our projections in terms of the long term. Yeah, uh, target gross margin. From right, market. these are all short term issues. I, I mean, I can certainly say by the end of the year it will be um, you know in the thousands. But, you know, so well, well, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That, that, that. I'm sorry. 
well into the thousands per, <coughs> per week. It'll be, it'll be I, in, in the thousands by the end of the year. Um, but where exactly, it's hard to say. Um, and, and literally, if you move the calendar by like two or three weeks, you, you would see giant, giant changes. So it, it, it's like the, day, the quarter of the date will fall somewhat sort of arbitrarily in that exponential curve. So even a matter of a few weeks um, uh, would, would, would show a very different number. Um, and the problem is that people tend to extrapolate on a linear basis instead of an exponential. In fact, people, most people don't even know what an exponential is. So um, the human intuition is, tends to be a straight line extrapolation, but, but we're really on a very steep exponential. So um, it's really an S-curve, you know. So it's, it starts off really slow, um, and, 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 and then it ramps very rapidly on an exponential basis. It does start to go sort of linear right in the middle, and then it, and then it sort of asymptotes off at the target production capacity. Um, you know, really target a, 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 a whole supply chain or factory for a given production capacity, um, and, uh, and yeah, try to get those as soon as possible. Um, uh, we're also we're highly confident of the long-term margin number of 25% or higher for Model Model 3. Uh, Deepak, I mean, yeah, no, none of our projections in terms of our material cost or uh, manufacturing labor and overhead or depreciation of the other elements have changed. Yeah. Um, as a result of these last few months to modify that target. Okay. This is unfortunate to hear, obviously, but you know, when when you're doing the impossible or the the never before done, the never before accomplished, I'm I'm willing to forgive a bit of tardiness, honestly. Uh, hopefully we'll all be able to look back on this and laugh and smile and just go, man, remember how we all freaked out when <laughs> When there was that that bottleneck at the Gigafactory with the battery module assembly. But uh, yeah, and hopefully while we're looking back and laughing at it, we're doing so from behind the wheel of our Model 3s, all of us. So we'll see how things go. Uh, speaking of how things are going, here is Elon explaining the uh, sort of Dante's Inferno-like levels of production hell and uh, and what he has been going through uh, during this process. So here's Elon. Yeah, I mean, this is sort of imprecise. I'm going to show you know, what each level means, really, but let's say level nine is the worst, okay? <laughs> we were in level nine. We're now in level eight, and I think we're close to exiting level eight. Um, I thought we would probably be more like in level seven by now, but it's... it's uh, <laughs> And I have to tell you, I was really depressed about three or four weeks ago uh, when I realized that we were, you know, kind of in level nine, then we got to level eight. Now I can see sort of a, a clear path to sunshine. Um, and uh, so I, I feel really pretty optimistic right now. If you talked to me three, three weeks ago, I would, be, I would have been quite pessimistic, and I was sort of quite down in the dumps. But now it's, it's very obvious what we need to do. It's just a matter of work to get there. We're working... Um, you know, seven days a week to, to, to do it. Um, I've personally been here on, on, on zone two of the module line at 2 a.m. on a Sunday morning helping diagnose robot calibration issues. Um, so I'm doing everything I, I can. Um, the, uh, JV's doing everything I can. The whole, the whole team's on it. We're on it. Um, and we're on it. We got it covered. It's just going to take us a few months longer than we expected. 
How many other CEOs could claim that with a straight face? Uh, the whole working at 2 a.m. on a Sunday down on the on the line thing, or pass a lie detector while doing so. Um, also, the one of the one other weird thought that hit me while I was listening to that. I wonder how that feels for the people working on the line that that Elon decides to come down and jump onto himself. Is it like super cool and inspiring, or is it just utterly terrifying that you're gonna that you're you know not doing a good enough job, or that he's gonna fire you, or like I have no idea. I would I would almost I'd love to interview someone who's had that happen to them at Tesla, but. In any case, uh, very interesting to hear that he's he's down there, uh, you know, boots on the ground, just uh, just getting it done, contributing himself personally. Okay, automation. Here's Elon Musk talking about uh, how they are addressing the problem of uh, of the bottlenecks and and in sort of in what way the system works with with Model Three. This is sort of proto alien dreadnought stuff here. So here's Elon again. We're throwing a huge amount of people at fixing the machines. Um, and then occasionally uh, there's like some part of, of, of a production um, manufacturing process where the, where the machine is finally fundamentally broken. And then we, um, then we have to have a bypass to a manual operation. Um, until we and, fix the automation. Yeah, until we fix the automation. Um, and, but that, that's really, it's really inefficient because um, the system was really not designed for a manual bypass uh, to your broken machine uh, or a machine when the software's not right or whatever the case may be. Um, it's just, it's just an extremely, it. com- it's extremely complicated machine you know, yeah. with, with uh, you know, combined electrical, mechanical, and, and software challenges. It's not that different than what we do bringing up a brand new car. Yeah, and um, a lot of the it, it is harder to to, to, to supplement with manual than SRX because yeah. the system is designed as a very tightly integrated automated system. So it's it's, un, it's very unwieldy to try to supplement uh, or, or or make up for a machine not working with with manual uh, activity. Um, so um, we can even like like it's like a if you had a spreadsheet. And, and a couple of the cells in the spreadsheet were manually calculated. Well, yeah, you could still do your spreadsheet stuff, but it's going to be a lot slower until the last cell is automated, and then it's going to be super fast. The spreadsheet analogy seems like a really good one, actually. And by the way, how weird is it to have a system that's so advanced that human participation in it actually slows it down? I thought that was kind of funny. Uh, and also, like, super futuristic and cool at the same time. Uh, this next clip is... I actually would would love your feedback on this one specifically because I had to listen to this multiple times, and you're going to hear what I'm talking about in a second. This is Elon Musk commenting on the hardware needed for level 5 full uh, self-driving and and... This is this is the upgrade topic again of hardware improvement. So take a listen to this and then take a careful listen to this and then let's talk about it. Well, first of all, I, I, I think that uh, we, we will be able to achieve full autonomy with the current hardware. Um, the question is, is not just full autonomy, but full autonomy with what level of reliability? 
um, and what will be acceptable to regulators. Um, but I, I, I feel quite confident that we can achieve human level, um, approximately human level uh, autonomy with the current computing hardware. Um, now, uh, regulators may require some significant um, margin above human capability uh, in order for full time to be engaged. They may say it needs to be 50% safer, 100% safer, 1,000% safer, I don't know. Um, I'm not sure they know either. Um, uh, but that, that's, uh, you know, but I think I'm confident that we can get to approximately human level with our current, uh, current hardware. Um, and um, yeah, uh, we'll have more to say on the on the hardware front soon. We're just not you know, ready to, to, to say anything now. Um, but I, I feel very optimistic on, on that front. Um, for customers that have signed up for full self-driving capability, um, we'll purchase that option. Uh, the um, you know if it does turn out that it that, that a computer upgrade is necessary in order to meet the regulatory requirements in their area, we will uh, re replace their computer with something with greater power. Um, it's just sort of you know, unplug the old one, plug the new one in. Um, yeah. But we feel com confident of the competitiveness of, of our hardware strategy. Uh, I would say that we are, we are certain that our hardware strategy is better than any other option. By a lot. Okay. So number one, I think Elon is probably alluding to the in-house chip uh, that they're rumored to be developing with AMD on this. I obviously could be totally wrong, but if that project is real... Uh, which I'd reported on from uh, an Electrek report a few weeks back, I would suspect that's that's what he means by uh, we'll have more to say on hardware soon. Now, uh, even though he does say once again that he thinks that Tesla has enough hardware now to do full self-driving, notice that he, again, left the door open for upgrades if necessary. And here's the thing I wanted to key on. Hopefully, I want to, again... Am I crazy here? Is Elon Musk suggesting that only the people who have paid for the full self-driving option will get a free hardware upgrade? I listened to that multiple times, and I still couldn't quite get a good read on what he meant there. I'm not sure he was clear enough, or I'm not sure I'm understanding it quite properly. But, you know, that topic has come up. Uh, both for me and callers on the Ride the Lightning hotline, a lot. And it, it is uh, deservedly a hot topic because, you know, should, should you pay the $3,000 up front for the full self-driving package when there's simply no, you know, it's just not even on the horizon yet. So, you know, do you pay the three up front or do you, you know, do something else productive with that money and pay $4,000 or possibly more if they were to raise the price later. So uh, if if that is true, or if, if I'm interpreting, interpreting that correctly, if you're only going to get a hardware upgrade if you've paid for the full self-driving option, 
that does change the dynamics. That changes the the uh, the question, or at least changes the answer. The the purchasing proposition there on that three thousand dollar full self driving option. So uh, would would be curious to hear your thoughts there. If you want to call in on the ride the lightning hotline. Next up. Let's talk a little run rate. Elon commenting on when he thinks Tesla will hit 10,000 cars, Model 3s, of course, per week. So, Elon, what do you got? It's, it's a bit too early to, to make an exact number, but I mean, if you extrapolate um, from 5,000 you know, towards the end of Q1, um, we, we do want to uh, hold up on giving capex until we are confident about cash flow on well three um, you know so then that's a question of um, how long it takes to implement um, everything necessary to get to ten thousand units a week for model three um, which is uh, a number we are confident can be sustained uh, from a demand standpoint and we want to figure out how much we can push the five thousand up from the Existing equipment, yeah, and that's, then that's learn from those and figure out how do we redesign whatever we do for the next bit and spend more efficiently our capex. So yeah. it's the right thing to do. Yeah, exactly. Um, as I mentioned earlier, we're, we're finding that some parts of the line are uh, very clearly are capable of six or that seven thousand units a week, and um, maybe more than that, um, just by shortening path length, speeding up the robots. Um, Adding some robots where there are, where the choke points exist, um, simplifying some of the processes, uh, and, and you know, a few minor part redesigns. Sparkle, uh, how much you can improve cycle time. This is a good sign. I mean, if we're lucky, maybe there will be some sort of breakthrough between now and the end of the year that that allows Tesla to make up some of that lost time and hit 5,000 cars per week sooner than uh, than late Q1. You know, uh, it's it's certainly not going to happen by the end of December, but maybe they they'll be able to uh, to catch up a little bit there. Next up, uh, this is an interesting clip because again, it's uh, it's an example of of Elon's honesty at work. Here, uh, he explains in his own words what I talked about with the shareholder letter. You know, it was phrased very, let's say, diplomatically in the shareholder letter about about who was at fault for the battery pack module uh, assembly problem at the Gigafactory. And here is Elon taking responsibility for it. Yeah, I think, I think first of all, I think at, at the end of the day, everything is our fault and my fault, most of all. Um, you know, if we, if we pick the wrong subcontractor, we're, we're, we're the fault. Um, so, so much, I don't, don't want to, this to be sort of his externalizing responsibility. Uh, it really, it, it's awful um, for, for picking the wrong, wrong supplier, and then not realizing it until way late in the game. Um, we will be able to pull back some amount, but it, it certainly will not make up for the lost revenue, or lost, you know, lost free cash flow. Um, so some amount, yeah, but but it's not. I don't know if it's going to matter that much. The goal is right now to fix Robin. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, this is hardly the first time that Elon Musk has admitted a mistake, and, and that's one reason that I really respect him. I've said that before. He is unequivocally stating that the buck stops with him and that this is ultimately 
his fault. And, you know, good on him. He didn't hit below the belt and throw the subcontractor under the bus or anything like that. Uh, All right. John McNeil getting in on the action now, the head of Tesla Sales and Service. This is John talking about the uh, lower margins due to sort of trim adjustments and bundling things in the car. But uh, more interesting in this clip is listen for John uh, and Elon talking about the market share that the S and X have now attained. Yeah, John, yeah, it's, it's John. I can uh, I can address uh, a piece of this. So, uh, uh, a large chunk of it was discontinued trims. We've introduced the 100 kilowatt uh, uh, battery pack, which has a 335 mile range uh, in uh, in Model S. And as a result of that, we discontinued the the 90 kilowatt pack. Um, and uh, as those cars uh, were in inventory, we reduced price to to move them out. Uh, and uh, and and so that was a piece of uh, a piece of the gross margin um, headwind that won't repeat uh, in uh, as we go forward. Um, and in addition to that, it, the mix did uh, did shift. We sold more 100 kilowatt cars um, actually than we predicted we would, but order rate went up uh, for the 75s even faster. Um, and so we sold more 75 kilowatt cars in the mix than um, uh, than we predicted, and that had a gross margin impact as well. Um, uh, given demand uh, is in, it continues to increase for the 100 kilowatt pack, and uh, the mix shift is occurring more towards that product. We'll see, uh, as we in- indicated in the letter, increasing margins uh, uh, as we roll into Q4 and then into Q1. Um, so this is uh, it, it, this the heart of the heart of the discontinuation really was the success of us uh, deep bottlenecking the 100 kilowatt production that we talked about in Q2 and really rolling that into strong demand in Q3. Yeah, uh, we also um, just in- increased the amount of value that's in a, in a Model S um, and, and an X. X. Yeah, and an X, but particularly Model S um, because we felt they need to be greater differentiation between the S and the Model 3. So the, the base cost, the, the, the fundamental cost of a Model S increased um, because of, of more included content. Um, so, you know, so, so the full Model S's have air suspension, for example. Um, uh, you know, a bunch of the premium uh, elements were included by default. Um, just felt there need to be a clear the reason for people to buy a Model uh, S over Model 3. Um, and the market responded really strongly to that uh, in terms of demand. So in Q3, the Model S in the U.S. outsold the Mercedes S-Class by two times, over two times, actually. And if you added up the sales of Audi A7, A8, uh, the BMW 7 Series, and the Porsche Panamera, we outsold all those combined. Yeah. So the market really did respond to the increased value. Yeah. yeah, I mean, all of our deliveries to in terms of our market share in the U.S. it went up in Q3 for S and X. S and X both. Market. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Compared yeah. to Q2. <coughs> and um, now, I saw some of the articles um, for, for, from our quarterly earnings that are um, uh, about sort of that seemed to question kind of S and X. You know, why we would reduce production on S and X? Uh, we didn't reduce it very much. It, it's just sort of about. You know, from about 2,000 years to 1,800, and uh, we did that in order to burn uh, down uh, inventory. So, finished uh, because uh, inventory was was too high. Um, we also just needed a bunch of people on the Model 3 line. Uh, so, 
So we thought, well, we'll take the third shift from Model S and X and apply it to uh, Model 3. Because um, we're really running out of uh, uh, labor pool, honestly. Yeah. It's like we're, 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 we're sucking labor pool dry, um, both in, um, at, in the Gigafactory and in Fremont. Um, and uh, so it's like, it, it's, it's like, you know, yeah, there's just only so many people. That, that can that can make it to get to, to, to the factory, um, and and then we are finding that we're able to improve the uh, efficiency of production of the SNX. Uh, so, um, previously it required three shifts to do 2,000 units a week, and, and it's important to appreciate like the whole supply chain and everything is, is all it's all sized to 2,000 units a week. So like say, why can't you just spontaneously make, you know, 20. 500 units a week. Well, it's because the entire supply chain, all the parts, everything's got to go to 2,500. And that requires a bunch of capex. Um, then, you, then you got to match sort of, you know, increased stores. Like everything's got to sort of move in cadence. Um, so you sort of like decide on what seems like a, the, the right number. You know, we think sort of the right number is about 100,000 units a year combined SNX. And we size the supply chain accordingly. Um, but we we expect to continue making production efficiency improvements on the S and X line, and be able to take it up from you know, roughly 1,800 units a week to 2,000 units a week yeah. um, in you know probably early next year, um, and still be on two shifts, which means yeah. that our labor hours are are reducing um, per, per vehicle, um, and uh, and and that gets us to our sort of roughly 100,000 units a year uh, cadence. Um, and we can work on supply chain efficiencies and, and all that. Um, but, but we do expect to, it's an important point, we expect to sell more cars in Q4. Correct. Uh, than we did in Q3. Than Q3. Yeah. So we expect sales and deliveries to be higher in Q4 than Q3. Um, but, um, but, but, to, to, but to reduce but, um, model S and X inventory uh, to achieve that. Those market share numbers are insane. I wonder how the likes of BMW and Mercedes and Audi are, are looking at the Model 3. I mean, do you think they still don't think it's going to come and eat their lunch? Or do you think that they're actively making plans to fight it either with marketing or electrifying their own fleet or both? I mean, remember, remember that pair of really sad... Model 3 attack ads that BMW made, they, they clearly learned from those. Uh, they, those got huge backlash, massive dislikes. The comments were just uh, awful, but not in the usual internet comment way, but in the like, you know, calling out BMW for how lame that was. Uh, they seemed to have backed away. In fact, I went looking for them because I was going to play uh, a clip uh, I, I The audio of them is on one of the old shows, but guess what? BMW, they removed the videos. They deleted the videos from YouTube, so that's how badly that went for them. It's going to be curious to see how the competitors respond to Model 3. Uh, if they're not doing so already, it, it might be too late for, for, their, for that manufacturer's vehicle to avoid having its lunch completely eaten by the Model 3. We shall see. Next up, uh, talking China a little bit. Here's Elon Musk uh, discussing 
how uh, how they want to deal with the Chinese market and try to move forward there. Listen for some interesting plans on exactly what they're going to be doing in China. Uh, so, uh, uh, Rod, um, in terms of um, um, the China factory, I'll leave, that, I'll leave uh, for Elon to make comments on that. But I, I think maybe better if we hold on, broadly speaking, to that question uh, to the next quarter when we provide full 2018 guidance and give you better clarity on our capital spend um, for the different elements in our plan. I suspect it's, it's comparable, you know, similar, honestly, to 2017. Um, we have some, <clears throat> obviously, some, it's a sort of strategic choice. Um, you, do, do we have higher capex and higher growth, or lower capex and lower growth? Um, yeah, so it, it's, it's it, but we can, die, we can, we can move that lever wherever it makes sense, well, we, where, where, where it makes sense to do so. Um, as, as mentioned earlier, though, we want to make sure we, we know what to scale before we spend money on it. Um, you know, so for Model 3, figuring out uh, you know, which production lines can be simply accelerated um, and which production lines need to be duplicated, we'd far rather accelerate the production line than duplicate it. Um, if, if we were to make those capex decisions right now, we'd be making them we'd be kind of shooting in the dark. Yeah, yeah. Um, but with um, respect to, to, to China, um, I wouldn't expect any significant capex on, on China until 2019. It won't be material in 2018. You know, the, the, okay. The, the, China, the, the China plan is sort of maybe something like yeah, this is just a. You know, like don't set your watch by this, but we—it's sort of a rough target of startup production in about three years, um, and it would be serving the China market and and perhaps uh, uh, some other countries in the region, um, and uh, that's that's really it's it's intent um, is to be able to to provide. Um, Model three and and Model Y. We're we, we making Model S and X, but we're we making, you know, probably Model three, probably Model Y, uh, pr uh, primarily for the local Chinese market. And it's really the only way to make the cars affordable in in China. But but it's three years out. Well, I suppose you can only build so many vehicles per factory, and it makes sense to focus on the mass market cars first. You know, the expensive the more expensive, S and X, can be shipped over from the Fremont factory and any import tariff on those cars can be passed along to the luxury buyers. That makes more sense. So uh, next, here's Elon with a follow-up on that, talking about just what kind of output they're targeting for the Chinese factory. I, I mean, it, it, it's, it's something in the, in the in hundreds of, you know, hundreds of thousands of vehicles per year. Um, it, you know, I'm not, I'm not sure where it is exactly in the in the. It's, probably, it's at least a couple hundred thousand vehicles a year, maybe more. So not quite Fremont levels, uh, and obviously China's an an even bigger market than the United States. So uh, th that's really something of a modest number. In fact, re again, relative to the the gigantic Chinese market, but still, I mean, that's great to hear that uh, there'll be a six figure amount of threes and Ys. 
uh, pumped out of the future Chinese factory in a few years. All right, service talk now. Back to John McNeil talking about new locations, mobile service centers, and the reliability and how that has improved on both the S and the X. So here's John. Yeah, so I think what you see there is, uh, is the increase in PP&E for the service infrastructure. We wanted to get out in front of uh, demand uh, as we're increasing both S and X uh, fleet size uh, uh, and also Model 3. So we opened a location just about every four days uh, in Q3. Um, and to get ahead of that demand, you probably saw that we put 180 <coughs> mobile vehicles on the road, and we plan to double that uh, this quarter. Um, and so a lot of that, what you see is PP&E. In terms of the drivetrain, uh, the drivetrain issue that you mentioned, that's, that's mostly behind us. In fact, we see very little of that now. Um, the reliability for SNX continues to improve. Uh, and um, and uh, you asked about the CPO business. The CPO business uh, for us last year or last quarter uh, was about a $238 million revenue business. Uh, we expect that to grow to a billion dollar run rate uh, or a billion dollar business for all of 2017. Um, and, uh, and so that business is growing rapidly at the same time. And we're running those, uh, we do our own CPO refurbishment. We do that in the same service infrastructure that we're servicing the cars. So you see a little bit of that cost into that, uh, into that line as well. Glad to hear John say that Tesla is trying to get out in front of the massive increase in service needs that Tesla is going to have. And just in 2018, forget about like 2019, 2018 alone, just by sheer virtue of the fleet getting so much bigger there. Uh, chiming in next, Doug Field, uh, manufacturing VP, talking about welding and how that is also one of the bottlenecks that Tesla has been facing. Well, with, with respect to welding, um, <clears throat> the the rate is controlled by... Are, are you specifically asking about the video, or do you have another... Um, uh, sorry, in, in, the, in the letter it said uh, body shop welding listed as a, uh, as a constraint. Yeah. Um, no, it, it wasn't not listed as a constraint. Yeah. It's not the same level of constraint as the Gigafactory, but it is one of the more complex parts of the overall um, assembly line. So to reach our overall production goals, that has to ramp significantly. But again, it's not at the same level of constraint as, as modules. And it's really driven just by the sheer number of robots in the body shop. It's the highest concentration of robots anywhere in our overall production line. But it is coming up well. Um, the, the bodies that we're building are of excellent quality. We've had fantastic crash results in testing them. And uh, we're building more and more every day. We're, uh, we're ahead of the rest of the production curve. So it does sound like this isn't a huge issue, but again, it's still nice to see Tesla be transparent about it. Not all companies would do that. Wrapping up the last clip I have for you, I have to say the, the second half in particular of the investor, the analyst call, uh, the earnings call here this, this quarter was... Very analysty. So, <laughs> and I don't mean that in an insulting way. Just numbers that are questions that were very um, just financially focused and things that weren't nearly as interesting for for our purposes for following along with with Tesla and and the sort of uh, newsy side of the company and the the product side. It was more the the financial side. So, one last clip for you, and this one is Elon Musk discussing. 
an answer to the question of why bundle more into the S and the X's and lower the price at the same time? Elon's answer might surprise you a little bit. Yeah, we, as far as the, the prices, it was um, yeah, the Model X is always it was really the one that, that saw you know more of a price reduction than other things, and, and then the hundred kilowatt hour pack, um, which was hundred kilowatt pack cars was artificially priced high. Uh, because we were production, like really production constrained on that pack, uh, it was never our intention to, to price it quite that high, so we reduced a little bit, um, and uh, <clears throat> and then added, added uh, some content as default. Um, so it, it, we just sort of split it between some price reductions where we thought things were a little overpriced, and uh, and and then added some content. Just to have a clear differentiation, we weren't quite sure what the response would be to the Model 3. Um, so maybe, maybe we might have overcorrected a little bit, uh, but that's kind of where it is. Well, there you have it. That is the Q3 2017 earnings call highlights for Tesla. Uh, I always like doing these. It does it does take longer, but uh, I know that these these are always some of my favorite shows because, like I said, I've said this before. It sounds like a real show when <laughs> it's got clips from Elon and Deepak and John and uh, Doug Field and uh, J.B. Straubel sneaking in there as well. So anyway, uh, I'm actually going to go ahead and skip the Ride the Lightning hotline this week. I've got a bunch of excellent calls queued up from you guys from the past week, but the show is already well over an hour long, so I will just hold those for next week. But in the meantime, if you do want to call in, with a Tesla comment, question, discussion topic, reaction to something you heard on the earnings call, something I brought up to discuss, please do give me a call. You can, uh, one of two ways, you can either uh, record your question on your smartphone uh, and then email me the file. The email address is teslapodcast at gmail.com. Or you can call the Ride the Lightning hotline, which is basically a very super easy to use answering machine uh, you can dial it toll-free anytime, and the number is 1-888-989-8752. That's 1-888-989-TSLA. So I will be right back here to wrap things up with some final thoughts right after this. Alrighty. If you enjoy the podcast week in, week out, and you uh, might want to support me, you can do so on Patreon. There's more information on the Patreon page located at patreon.com slash Podcast. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Would sincerely appreciate it if you took a look over there, and uh, if you see fit to support me, more, more, uh, more thanks to you. In fact, the very kind souls who support me at the $20 level or higher each month. They are the Patreon producers, and they are Jeff Bartram, Paul Hussey, DJ Harbaugh, Pete White, Wolfgang Obergen, George Cassioppo, David Brander, Jonathan Wales, Scott Gillis, Michael Lucas, Alexi Heft, Lisa Kaz, Michael Oprey, Logan Willis, Matthew Para, Michael Lester, Robert Maracle, Vince Vaughn, John Lasher, Harold Plug, Jason Chalukas, Emotion Rentals, Richard Ouellette, Andreas Conan, Sean, uh, pardon me, Cohen, sorry about that, Andreas. Sean Fournier, Tim Hyde, and Marcus Mayenshine. Uh, let's see here. The uh, Ah, yes. 
Immaculate Reflections. I was talking a little bit last week about detailing, about protecting the paint. That is uh, it's certainly something I really want to do with my Model 3. So uh, somebody I definitely absolutely can vouch for, and so can Yelp, uh, so can yeah, people on Yelp. Uh, this, this one I can feel pretty good about. Immaculate Reflections. If, uh, if your car's finish might be looking tired or worn, or you might have a new car, say a new Tesla, that you want to preserve for the long term, Immaculate Reflections. They are the Bay Area's premier paint correction and coating specialist, offering paint correction services, new car delivery prep, ceramic coatings, including Seaquartz Finest Reserve, and paint protection film. They're about an hour or so or less from the Tesla factory. Find them online at irdetailing.com, also on Yelp and Instagram at immaculate underscore reflections. So take a look there. Also, if you're purchasing Tesla accessories for you or your car, be it screen protectors for the 17-inch touchscreen in your SRX or a silicon key fob to keep that, that squirrely little key fob from uh, escaping, get a nice little grip on there, uh, or grab a lanyard for yourself, you can grab all that at 20% off at abstractocean.com using the coupon code RTLPODCAST. That's all one word, RTLPODCAST. Uh, Follow me on Twitter at DMC underscore Ryan. If you're a a Twitter person, you can always email me, teslapodcast at gmail.com. What else? Ah, Subscribe to the podcast if you don't already. iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, or pick up the RSS feed or individual MP3 downloads from the hosting site, which is teslapodcast.libsyn, L-I-B-S-Y-N.com. And I think... That about, ah, I guess I'll mention the referral code. So the uh, the $1,000 off discount is over, but the free unlimited lifetime supercharging still is. So if you're planning on buying a Model S or Model X, you can still get a nice perk for using a referral code. So please use my cousin Pat in Arizona, his referral code. It is Patrick5008. So to, to get that loaded in, you can uh, type this short link into your web browser, ts.la slash Patrick5008. That about wraps it up for me. Uh, this was a fun show. The, the earnings call shows are always fun. I love doing them. And hopefully, I've, uh, hopefully you guys enjoy hearing them. So Uh, Thank you so much, as always, for listening. I know I've taken uh, a good bit more of your time this week than I typically do, so I appreciate uh, you sticking with me there. And I will see you back here next week for another round of Tesla fun. Happy electric motoring. In the meantime, I'm Ryan McCaffrey alongside the growing, and now, by the way, about uh, 80 to 90% potty trained, Daisy the Boxer Puppy. We, uh, She has really turned the corner She's uh, pretty much got it down now, so that's a that's a huge relief to both me and my wife, who are we're both very very sick of cleaning up dog pee in the house. So uh, I will see you guys next week. Mm-hmm.